You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broken records. The albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records. The music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bet, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get Patty LaPaul. Broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record. Well, good morning and welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm Ben Rimmelauer and I'm here uh, remotely. <laughs> With my my lovely co-host Daniel Nolan. Hey y'all, um, we are coming at you early in the morning after staying up watching Sondheim's ninetieth on the YouTube last night. I right now I am Patty Lapone's Tony Award getting knocked against the inside of the locker, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm that bong. <laughs> No, I really do feel like so hungover, even though I had like one beer last night while watching. <laughs> oh no, I I I feel like last night was like a major like mental and like like a like a lame stretch when like she needed like the Dominican Republic mini bar waiter with the Pepsi. <laughs> 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 Made me smell my coffee. Um, I, yeah, I was like, I've never been so amped up for anything in my life. I w- because we were just for our listeners know the plan was that Daniel and I were going to record this late at night when the uh, live stream was over, right? Um, and so, which would be so. I don't know. The thing was supposed to start at eight. I thought it would be over by ten. Yeah, I mean, usually so, these things last like two hours. Now, I've been going to bed on the early side, but so yesterday I was like, normally I have like an iced coffee in the morning and that's all the caffeine I have all day. Uh Um, And yesterday I had that, plus I had a kombucha, plus I had like four Diet Pepsis. Uh So I was like flying high. And then I just like, I had taken all this like CBD in the hopes of just like really like getting on like the roller coaster journey, you know? Um, (laughs) And uh, let me tell you, I was there and like every single second after 8 p.m. that that thing wasn't starting, I was like losing my fucking mind. (laughs) And then when it got to be after 8.30, I really... I didn't know what was going on. I thought it was like 
like a nuclear war. Like for some reason, like oh I really God. thought that it was like Trump was, was like coming together. Infiltrated the stream. <laughs> like I just, I was just so freaked out and it just seemed so crazy to me when it got to be after nine o'clock. Like I yeah. didn't, I mean, I wonder if we'll ever find out what was wrong. Like, I mean, I assumed that it was something to do with like their bandwidth and like too many viewers. Right. I guess because I mean everything was pre-recorded, right? Except for like Raul Esparza, who like tried to go live at the beginning, and then it uh, he was on mute, and it was chaotic. But like everyone sent in their stuff, right? So it wasn't like they they were trying to like connect. Uh, you know, after they finally axed Raul Esparza's intro, like it went smoothly. It seemed. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I, I if if. Anyone out there is going to do a Zoom with a couple of friends or they're going to do a major internationally broadcast like live stream of like a Sondheim birthday celebration. I feel like the lesson I will take from these experiences is you need one person who's like a stage manager type that is in constant contact with whoever is actually on screen. Yes. And the person that is the stage manager person has to always have access to a live feed of what the viewers are watching. Yes. 100%. It's like, it's like this, you know, it's literally, I mean, at my Seder, like when my mom was like making her little speech and forgot to like unmute herself. And it's like, all like because f- there was like forty people at our Passover seder on the Zoom. Uh-huh. They were we ever we were like waving violently, flapping our arms at the camera. But my mom was just like not noticing. Yeah. But it's like you can't just be in your own little world. You're in little. You know we're 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 together, but apart. What are we? We're like you know we're, <laughs> no one's <we're>, alone. <laughs> like you. So it's just like and you know, I don't know. I, I honestly, I was like so emotionally like triggered by that whole experience. And like, <laughs> I, I just, cause like, it's like, it, it reminds me of like how I feel like growing up, like just like invisible. Like it's like someone's like not paying attention and like noticing like, you know, what's Aww. going on. Um, oh, but, uh, and I was just so, I literally didn't know what to do. Like, I was like, obviously the thing to do is like, I mean, when the Rosie O'Donnell thing was going live and everybody was like live streaming it, um, I was just kind of, was that the Seder? No, I had some family Zoom that same night and I didn't watch the Rosie thing live. I was Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't ever, I don't watch the Oscars live. I'll watch it later when I watch it or I'll, you know, I was like, so I was like, why am I so married to the idea of like watching this exactly right? You know? Well, I mean, it's that with, uh, what was the one that was, uh, oh, buyer and seller. It's like. This, I, I mean, I assume the Sondheim thing is going to be up after to, for people to watch, but yeah, it's only plays that that because of the dramatist guild they don't. Oh, like okay. House. But you know, there is this idea. I mean, especially if like me, you want to be on Twitter and like engage with everyone yeah. about every little detail of the night. It's like this yeah. idea of appointment uh, television viewing that's back, and but you know, but I don't like it. I don't like it. I have loved. <laughs> no, you don't. No, I've loved the innovation of the last 20 years. Like, don't make – I don't want an appointment. The world is full of appointments. I want to just – you know, and and I feel like the worst things about me come out with appointments, you know? <laughs> I, I, I want to, like, walk through the park and smell the flowers. Like, I feel like that is the direction we all need to be moving into, you know? And, like, when I'm home and, like, I, like, suddenly, like, you know – 
just, I'm like, hey, I feel like watching some Sondheim. Then I, you know, all day long yesterday, I had a beautiful day. I was like all Sondheim all day. And all I did was just like go through different Sondheim videos on YouTube, you know? Uh, yeah. And it was just, it was not appointment television. It was like, it was crazy. It was reckless. I was like, here's one from 78. Here's one from 95. Here's 2003. Here's 67. It was just like, however I felt like it, you yeah. know? And this was just so stressful. But all I will, anyway, I mean, all that to say that I couldn't have possibly been more hyped for when it actually did begin. Yes. And and the Stephen Schwartz uh Follies was the yes. perfect uh do you call it the overture? Yeah, the overture. Yeah, yeah. Follies yeah. overture. It was the perfect thing. And I loved how it was it was so zen, how yeah. beautifully shot that was. And yeah. you know, it was just so um so lovely. And then and now you know and people that listen to the pod, they know. I'm not a huge fan of Sutton's. Well, okay, yes. But I couldn't have loved her more. I felt like she, I knew it wasn't live. Yeah. But it does, that, oh, this is the thing. You know, there's a, a darkness in the moment in time that we are in right now. Mm-hmm. You know, in a sense, like the whatever the fuck went wrong technically last night is such like a uh you know perfect like metaphor symbol. yeah <laughs> of like where we are in the universe on earth right now and and truthfully truly speak truly in Sondheim's music there is this dark brokenness you know mm, mm. and uh and I, and it just it just it really when it finally started i could i was so my heart was right on that crack yeah. And yeah. and to have Sutton come in so strong and yet so it was the per- it was the perfect Sutton moment because she had her weird, you know, part of what I've always hated about the Sutton Fosters and the Kelly O'Hara's mm-hmm. compared, you know, Patty Lapone is so like it's been 28 years. Get him out of the way. Bring him in, you know? It's there's something like so bitchy and diva and entitled about Patty compared to the like humility and like you know, like, uh, like, you know, uh, down homeness of a Sutton or, you know, Kelly in her Tony speech doing that. Like, I'm a dork. Here's my dorky dance, you know? Yeah, yeah. But what I've all, but the reason I've always hated them and loved Patty is that that felt bullshit to me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, fuck you, Sutton. You're in a fucking Zach Posen dress, okay? I'm sure you were cunty to 12 assistants on your way to the stage. You know, don't give me this false, like down homeness, mm, you know. Yeah. Whereas Patty, even though she gives you the grandeur of like yeah. a star, uh, you know, I feel like she actually like mooned the boys on the crew, like on her way to the stage, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I've always like you know felt sort of alienated by the sort of you know uh, uh, thing with those other yeah. guys. But I have to say, it was so perfect last night because Sutton's like, you know, I'm just a regular person, like, you know, ah shucks quality, you know, it's so, and she's a television star, you know, mm-hmm. and so she was so intimate and real with the camera, you know, when she sing, when she starts like those smug little men with their smug little schemes, you know, yeah, she's yeah. just giving it to you in like the most like ah shucks, like who me, what am I, you know, uh-huh. and yet. I had every confidence and indeed was given it that she was going to once again 
be that little bitchy understudy at the La Jolla Playhouse who was like, <laughs> oh, I can go on. I can belt a D in full chest voice, you know? Uh-huh. And, and indeed she did. And as if all that weren't enough, you know, I, I love kids. I'm a sucker for it. And I thought her daughter, like, not only saying Stephen Sondheim, but having to correct herself on the pronunciation. Like, I just thought it was all, it was everything I could have dreamed. Like, immediately I took a 180 degree turn from like the depths of despair to just like, just like being in with, it. like joy yeah. and exhilaration. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that was such a good song for her as well. Like, um, I was really nervous about what song she was going to pick, but that one I thought was wonderful. And, um, yeah, and her her kids, and and that brings us to our next act, which yes. also employed the use of uh, child labor. Um, Neil, no, no, no. Doogie, Doogie is not a child anymore. <laughs> no, I Neil's mean he's now an adult. He's like oh. almost fifty. <laughs> but I have to say, this number, I felt, I found it so dare I say disrespectful, like. I was so mad at him after this wow. After wow. this song. I was like, how dare you, first of all, sully the good name of faggotry and read the karaoke track to the witch's rap? Like, you don't already, like, you're not off book for this? Like, that is so upsetting he, to wait, me. Wait, wait, was he reading? I didn't realize that. Yeah, I mean, he was obviously, like reading the lyrics or like, I mean, he was staring at something intently the whole time. Like I'm maybe pretty he was sure. staring at his kids. No, but it wasn't like a, like a character choice. It was like, he was focused on mm. something. I mean, it seemed very like carpool karaoke, but like with the lyrics and I don't know, he just really phoned it in. And I, I was just like, come on. Like this is, Sondheim's 90th birthday. This is a bold choice. Like, you really need to sell it. And however, I did enjoy, like, I don't know. The kids. The, the ki- well, I did enjoy his little kids are cute, even though I, I feel for them. And yeah, um, I thought I thought the kids are really cute. I mean, I loved that he chose that number. I really loved it. And I was like, you know, because Sutton's. I feel like in a way there were kind of two kinds of performances last night, right? Mm -hmm. There were the ones that were like, you know, I guess the epitome of one kind would be like Chip Zion, you know, being like, I sang this song in the show. signature song. I've been singing this song my whole life. I sing this song like a prayer. This is poetry to me. I know every word of this backwards and forwards. I do this in my act. I've been doing this forever. I sang this at my daughter's wedding. Like, here I am. Let me just give you my truth, you know? And then the ones that were like, I am doing a musical theater performance. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to like learn it and act it and like have a prop and just like take this journey, you know? Yeah. And, and so, and Sutton's sort of goes in both levels in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, because she did perform that role at city center encores. And I loved her story about, um, falling in love with it in high school, mostly because it was big and belty and how it came mm-hmm. to mean something different to her. And, you know, it, the number has that kind of uh, personal identification with her. And it's clearly a song that she knows and does in her own sort of, you know, life throughout, but also it was a little bit like, I'm Sutton, Sutton Foster is the ultimate like musical theater 101 kind of performer, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and then Neil, but, but still I sort of took it, I guess because of the context and the history as, you know, the, the first kind of 
category. Mm-hmm. But the but then Neil was decidedly in the second camp, you know. And yes. and mm-hmm. and I was I was here for it. You know, I was kind of like, oh, okay, like, you know, uh I wasn't expecting that kind of thing to happen. Um and I was like, I was totally I was I was ready to enjoy that. And I loved I loved Neil taking the witch's song, you know. Um I I was really right on board with it. And then, you know, I, it didn't really do much for me. I mean, I, I appreciated the idea that he sort of made, what's that TV show he has. That's like, it's not, it's like kind of almost Harry Potter esque. Like, now you see me now you don't something like that. No, no, no. It's something called like Dr. McGorgles or something. I don't know. It's like, oh, I feel like he plays oh, like an evil wizard or yeah. something, you know, oh, a series of unfortunate events. Yeah. On Netflix. You know, like I felt like, I totally felt like Neil was like, yeah, I'm the witch, but in like a sort of like weird Harry Potter, like, you know, man kind of, you know, I, I was ready to like let him have that, you know. I um, was so. But he tur- didn't, but I didn't, I just, did, but I did not feel taken in by it. Yeah, you know? I was so turned off by it. And then like, I mean, his kids are so cute, but also, I don't know if you saw what he did on the Rosie thing. But no, like, I didn't. He also, I'm so happy I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> be happy. And I don't remember what he sang, but he also used his kids. And it just felt very, I mean, they're so sweet and cute, but it did feel very like, um, I don't know. Those poor kids, let them play, leave them alone. I I don't have those feelings about the kids thing because it's not normal times. You know, parents are home with their kids, you know? Yes, that's true. Like this whole thing is happening at home. And... You know, what better to introduce your kids to than musical theater? It's not like he's using his kids to, like, record promos for, like, a product he's selling, you know? It's like, you know, it's Sondheim, for God's sakes. And, like, you know, and 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 the truth is, like, I don't know what kind of a father Neil is, and I don't presume to guess, you know? Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, based on my knowledge of kids, that, like... It, it's not like he's like being like, put down the toy trucks and come on in and help me with this musical theater. You know, Neil, Neil does Broadway musicals and stuff. And I bet that they, they want to participate in what he's doing, you know? Right. Yes, um, that's true. You know, I don't, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I you know, I, I thought both that and who is the, and Sutton, you know, I loved, I loved the, the thing with the kids. And, and I thought that the way Neil uses, I thought it was a really cute idea to do the witch and have and all you know I, I i thought it was staged well with the kids but you had a sister and like i you know i i love the idea of like the brother as the baker and the sister as the baker's wife you know yeah. i just like i just loved it i love what are their names gideon and harper i thought it was so adorable so i mean i was fine and honestly i was glad that that was neil's slot you know let sutton be the strong you know opening i was like she's kind of the ethel merman of today in her own weird way you know i mean for god's sake you all keep reminding me that she did anything goes so there you go let's have it you know but like you know she she is kind of the ethel merman of the of her day and uh and then and and so let Neil be the second song that's like a you know a a pattern number, you know like I, I I thought for what it I was so happy that that was his slot and that he wasn't coming out to sing like no one is alone at the end you know like, right that's true but oh I just I hated it so much um, yeah. but I did enjoy kind of all the gays coming for him 
right after on Twitter. Okay, so by the way, at that point in the show, I was so overwhelmed that I, I had to take a little short break from Twitter uh-huh. because it was starting to really freak me out. Like, Uh-oh. it was too much. Like, being, like, watching this video and, like, feeling connected to the people on Twitter watching it uh-huh. and, like, feeling connected to the people on the screen, you know, because, like, I know Sutton and I know Neil and, like, I know, like, the Broadway.com people and, mm-hmm. like, you know, of course, I know so many of the people that, I mean, there, I guess there are people that I follow on Twitter and follow me back that I don't know, but a lot of the people I talk to on Twitter are, like, you, you know, or yeah, friends yeah. of mine. And it started to feel too much like I was living in the singularity, like I'd left my physical body behind and I was just, like, ex- existing in this virtual <laughs> world. The Matrix. I, like, I, I, and I, my, I was getting really short of breath. I, like, thought I was going to oh, have an anxiety no. attack. Oh, my God. I was, like, I literally for one part for one part like right was kelly next yeah kelly kelly is next like the very beginning of kelly i was like in like a yoga position just being like okay like maybe you'll just watch the rest of the concert later and right now you just breathe and take care of yourself like that's where (laughs) i was how on brand though like having a panic attack to sondheim's 90th totally a hundred percent um but kelly i have to say kelly really took me back like I and I was sad at first she wasn't singing take me to the world because she had done it so beautifully before you know yeah um uh and I guess some people were posting that they were tired of her singing this song although like you know as you know in my personal journey I had never heard her sing this song before I haven't either I don't listen to her albums except for like when they come up on shuffle um but uh but I loved it I mean yeah I just you know, no one, Kelly is such a, she's such a wonderful combination of like that kind of like Rebecca Luker, even more mm-hmm. so than Rebecca Luker in a way, like a soprano voice that is just so natural. There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing produced or yeah. like her soprano voice feels like she came out of the womb and it just came out of her mouth, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that, and as natural as it is, it's the purest sunshine. It just feels like a ray of light, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And so it's a combination of that. And she's just, she's such a real actor, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. Kelly, just everything that comes out of her seems so authentic and natural, you know, and, and so it really, I couldn't have been more what I needed to hear last night, you know, and, and that song felt, you know, at first I was sad she wasn't doing take me to the world because take me to the world obviously is so poignant at this moment in time, but but actually what more do I need was so poignant in this moment mm, in time, because mm-hmm. it was exactly that, like all the shit that you normally hate about the city that you long for now, you know? Right. Right. Um, and I have to say, I mean, I've known that song since I was in high school. I, the first version of it that I knew was the Liz Calloway one from that Stephen Sondheim evening where Judy K tries to belt. And, <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, the one that I was really obsessed with was, um, uh, well, now I want to say Rachel York singing it and putting it together. Maybe she didn't. I don't know if I'm making that up or not. But, um, but oh, and then there was like the Don Upshaw one. Uh, and like, and my sister did it in a review in college. And I really loved her version. But, and I think other girls sang it in college. I, just, I feel like that song was like a big part of my life in the 90s mm-hmm. that I don't really think about anymore. But 
watching Kelly sing it for the first time ever, I was like, at the end, I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. She's about to hit the high note. And I like truly was like, yes, hit the high note. (laughs) Yeah, I love her. And um, next up is another class act professional showing us how it's done. Miss Judy Kuhn, past guest of the pod. I must say, the first person to fulfill my fantasy wish list of what they sang. Which was, What Can You Lose from Dick Tracy? Just as she did on the absolute must-listen unsung Sondheim album from 1993. And equally as gorgeous and perfect as that recording. Yes, yes, not a day. I mean, her, her voice is uh, as we as we saw and heard on the Seth Rudetsky stars in the house where she and what's his face sang "Heartful of Love" and Francis Raphael. Um, her voice is in tip top shape. Not a day has passed vocally. Um, just so that voice is is otherworldly. And Judy also, you know, it, it's funny because like what what Sutton sang and what Kelly sang were both songs that like the sort of literal meaning of them felt relevant to what we're going through right now, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the Judy one, it it that wasn't so much true, and yet you looked in her eyes and there was tears, you know, yes, and her yes. her face. You know, her face was, I mean, really, it was a beautifully acted performance. I mean, it was very subtle and low key, but there was so much emotion and yes. uh, and feeling and heart. And and it was such a, a testament to how art doesn't have to be about, you know, you can tell your story about something mm-hmm. that I don't relate to on the details, you know? Yeah. But, but I can feel you. And it's like, you know, you. Judy took the passion and pathos of this moment in time and infused a, a love song uh, with those feelings and it yes, made it all the totally. more powerful, you know? Um, and I re- I, I couldn't have been more uh, just moved by her. I, I, I think I literally thought to myself, like, she's going to get a job out of this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It was so funny throughout the night these um there were certain highlights for me and I was like wow this is going to definitely lead to something for them or uh, some sort of revival you know built around them of this show um, or, or or possibly prevent something for them yeah on the other hand so uh then we had Katrina Lank doing an acoustic Joanna which I was living for and it definitely it gave Joanna like a lesbian twist that I had never thought of before. And I loved it. Really? You never thought of that? Even when Bernadette sang Joanna and Bernadette's an actual lesbian. (laughs) Um, No, I never really thought of that. Cause you know, Bernadette, uh, how do I say this? Like Bernadette in those moments, she presents as like so femme with her tits out and her hair down. I mean, Katrina has like that kind of folksy, like, Silver Lake lesbian vibe, you know, and Silver uh, Lake, you know, it's like the Silver Lake is what Bernadette calls her. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Anyway, so I I loved uh, Katrina's, and I thought that was a good song for her. I was so glad she did not sing "Being Alive." 
Um, even though that's well, probably what a lot of people wanted her to sing. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel like her not seeing being alive is like a little bit like like they're not really like owning themselves, you know. Well, I mean, I mean I, when I say they, I mean her and the producers of company. Yeah. Like, like they chose to cast her. Like, they could have had Sutton, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they chose her. And I'm not, you know, God knows I didn't want it. Even, that, even after last night falling in love with Sutton, I'm not wanting no. her to play Bobby. No, no, no. You know, but I'm just saying they could have had, you know, whoever, Stephanie J. Block. They could have had whoever they wanted. And they chose, you know, a Silver Lake, whatever. And so, <laughs> like... I feel like they needed to like be like, okay, it's a Sondheim 90th and she's going to fucking do it, you know? But I don't know. Maybe they were like, well, without the orchestra, blah, blah, blah. But it, I, I would have felt better if she would have come out and done being alive and I could have like been won over, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, but anyway, I mean, but I, I did love her, Joanna. I thought it was really yes. wonderful. Um, if there was the- ever a time to break out the guitar that you can play, sort of, I mean, she plays great, but I'm saying like, you know, th- what you gain from supplying your own live accompaniment outweighs anything that you may lose by not having like, you know, we yes. can't all live. A- I mean, we can't all live across the hall from Billy Stritch like Linda Lavin does. You know? <laughs> right. Literally. And I'm not someone who usually gets into like, um, like stripped down, like soft, quiet versions of song, like all those YouTube versions of like creep online that people share. I'm like next, but like, for some reason this really worked for me. And, um, anyway, so then we had, um, another treat for the eyes and the ears, Aaron Tveit, uh, singing marry me a little, which I'm so glad he sang this because, um, I by love- the way, number two, that was on my list. Uh, your predictions? They weren't predictions. They were a wish list. Oh, so and you? this was the one you chose for him? Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, I love this song so much. Um, this this song, the older I get, this song from Company really has become one of my faves. And yeah, me too. I'm so glad well. he chose this and not being alive. Like, it's such, it's just so much more interesting hearing uh, this song and not being alive. And he's just so nice to look at. And I, I mean, some parts of his performance is, I mean, yeah. Some of the tweets I was seeing were so, uh, not safe for working from home, but, um, you know, this song, some parts of it seemed a little like music theater senior show Casey to me, but for the most part, I loved it so much. And I thought he delivered and, um, yeah, he just has such a lovely voice. Um, yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I, uh, I mean, I think he, his performance in a way explains why Katrina was exactly right to sing Joanna. Mm. Because, you know, it's a very neat trick that Sutton Foster can do to, be intimate enough for the camera and get to the heights of belting and still mm-hmm. be giving us the feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Katrina avoided that challenge by doing yes. something completely intimate. And yeah. I and Aaron took the challenge and it for me it didn't work. It, it felt very mu- it felt like a self-tape for like a musical yeah, theater showcase or something, you know? And um 
I it didn't. It, I've been a fan of his always, but I really I was not into it. Um, mm. I wish I'd wished I wished I'd chosen a different song for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. Um, also, I mean, I don't know if this is okay to say, but like, it's our pod. Like, I just like really think he's gay. Um, I, I mean, I would, I would guess that as well. I mean, there's no, there's no indication otherwise for me, you know? I mean, just besides the fact that he hasn't said it. Yeah. Um, also he's getting old. He is, but you know what? I'm, he's someone who I think I'm like more into him now that he's getting older. Like, I think I'm not, I think I liked him better as a Twinkie. Yeah. I, I, I. I don't know. I I like like the little crow's feet around his eyes. I'm just like, let me just. Like, I would like them on someone on else. That. Yeah. I mean, I, whatever. I still wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating crackers. But although his hair is get, it's, he needs a little trim, trim, trim. Don't we all though? I mean, coming up next is um, Beanie Feldstein and Feldstein, and I think Steen, uh, Steen and Ben Platt, and I have. Such specific thoughts on this, but I don't want to. I just feel like I'm being so negative. So why don't you go first? Would that I could. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I mean, well, I I will say this. You know, Beanie. um, uh, The only musical I've seen her in was um, Hello Dolly, where we didn't really get to hear much of her singing. You know, right? Um, And I thought she sang great. I was like, really, I really was ready for her to be a musical theater star wherever you want to put her, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, their number felt to me like the ultimate in like musical theater, like presentational, like cutesiness. Um, Mm. I, uh, you know, I had dug myself a grave because I my wish list that Chip would sing no more. So I couldn't exactly sit there watching Beanie and Ben being like, it should be Chip and Joanna, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't, I didn't need it to be Chip and Joanna, but like, it just felt, it felt, I don't know. I just, it didn't do anything for me. They were good, but it's fine. Whatever. I, I love, I loved Beanie. I thought, I don't know. She seemed like she was actually kind of like acting and, and really engaged. And I, and I just really like her and I've liked her in all the movies I've seen her in, but Ben Platt, I was so, I was like the Bakers, the Bakers shouldn't sound like he's, I mean, it obviously it wasn't, but Ben Platt has this little like built in auto tune to his voice. (laughs) And, and like he was doing those little like, uh, I don't know, like those those little uh, mannerisms, like he's singing at a concert, you know, where he kind of like throws his head to the side and closes his eyes and like puts his finger in his ear or whatever. And it's like, that's not like, this is not like Ben Platt is the baker at, you know, Mariah Carey Center. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, and, and it felt a little weird because I thought Beanie was doing such a good job of like, uh, connecting with him or the camera and whatever. And um, I was like, oh, I can see her playing the baker's wife. But Ben, I was like, mm. <laughs> it seems, yeah. A, yeah, it was just a little too like, yeah, concerty. But um, 
Then, okay, so next up, uh, Brandon Uranowitz singing famously one of my favorite Sondheim songs, With So Little To Be Sure Of, from yes. Anyone Can Whistle, which, I mean, loved it, loved it. Nothing, nothing bad to say. Yeah, same. So Totally loved it. And I'm also so, I mean, Anyone Can Whistle, uh, um... A lot of a lot of the um, lesser known uh, Sondheims or the lesser uh, mainstream Sondheims got a lot of attention last night, which was fun. Yeah. Um, then Melissa Erico, Children in Art, which I also loved, and by the end of it, I was like, "I'm listening, Mama." Oh, yeah. I mean, it did have that energy for me, and I was I was here for it. I will say, um, I when I was Patty tweeted before the show started those um, the Zoom of uh, the pit screen grab yeah. of the Zoom yeah. and her Zoom had uh, yeah and it had four chat messages uh-huh. um, and you know I was I said I would I tweeted that I would like to believe that you know one of Patty's is a DM from Bernadette saying like when this is all over let's have that lunch for real Patty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, that was just a speculation. But I would bet good money that one of those four chat messages was to everyone, as we say on Zoom, Mm -hmm. uh, from Melissa Errico, just offering a free download of her Sondheim album, Sondheim Sublime on Broadway Records. (laughs) You're probably right. I was literally wishing she didn't follow me so I could tweet that. That's, you should still tweet it. Just block her from it. Is that possible? <laughs> no, I already feel I'm having. So this was another thing I was having anxiety attack about last night. I was like, I was like, I feel like I'm leaning too hard into being like bitchy, you know, mm. um, like, uh, you know, on like our live stream and everything like mm-hmm. um, uh, Tim uh, Federley, brilliant writer who wrote Better Nate Than Ever and mm-hmm. all those great books. Um he tweeted something like, uh, making things is greater than making fun of things. Um, and I was like, oh, God, I'm just like, all I'm doing in this quarantine is like making fun of things. And the, and then I sort of, you know, I do. I saw that. I saw that tweet. But No, it's a great tweet. And it wasn't about me or anything, you know. No, but no, no. no. I, I'm not talking about him. I'm just saying like that was one thing that was in my head when I was feeling like, you know, I. I still stand by what I said to you and a uh, friend of the pod, Michael Kushner last week, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Like I'm, you know, I, you might, some people might, it might rub them wrong. If like I say something like edgy, you're not edgy. The edgy is too self-congratulatory, you know, but like if I say something bitchy about something, you know, but I'm, I, you know, I don't work on Broadway. I'm not friends with those people. And like, I'm a fan and I'm just like having, you know, my opinion about the entertainment that I want to consume, you know, and I think that's good for the industry. I wish people, you know, if more people did that about my work, I'd have more money and fame, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I, you know, I think if I say something, you know, about Vicki Clark or Kelly O'Hara, like, you know, they can suck it up, you know? Although, like I said, I lived for Kelly last night. However, I've been having extreme guilt (laughs) because I said something slightly untoward on one of the live streams about uh, Christina Bianco. 
Did you? I don't even remember it, this. It wasn't so bad. We were, I was talking about Liza Minnelli impressions that I don't like. Oh, you know? yes, yes. And I yes, said, yes. you know, and I said, uh, I, or maybe a Bernadette impressions. And I was like, you know, I was like, and I don't want to plump her up anymore, but Christina Bianco does a pretty good one, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, I've been feeling like really, like Christina Bianco is like, first of all, obviously extremely talented and has been like nothing but like lovely and sweet and kind to me. And like, I know her personally and like, mm-hmm. I feel, I'm sure she doesn't watch our thing. And like, I doubt anyone gives a fuck, but like, I just feel like it's a very bad road to be on for me to just be like, literally just like taking a time to like, just say anything negative that pops into my head about anyone ever. Um, so, uh, all that said, I was like, I do not need to be like, just like offending Melissa Erico. Although frankly, you know what? Her work has been offending me my whole life. So I <laughs> well, I mean, I think what you're saying, you know, it's not like, it's like that, uh, uh, Brene, not, not to bring in my girl, but Brene Brown has that book, Daring Greatly. And there's that Theodore Roosevelt quote she says about like, you know, it's not about, it's not the critic who counts. It's the one who's in the arena actually fighting and sweating and bleeding and stuff. So like basically saying like, don't pay attention to people who criticize because they're not the ones doing the work. However, I think there is, so that's, you know, I understand that. And there, there is this, there is a lot of truth and value to that idea of like, you know, whatever that Tim tweet was like making art is better than making fun of it or whatever. But yeah. I I do think, though, there is, I mean, not to get into a whole conversation about the role of the critic, but there is a, a, a value as well to questioning things. And, and if that's in the form of jest, I mean, I don't think what you said about Christina Bianco is uh, mean. You know, I think, I mean, obviously she's gotten a lot of acclaim, rightfully so, because she's very talented and... Um, you know, it's, uh, what you said was, it wasn't hateful, you know, it was, it wasn't fun. And it was, um, the tone of it was, it had an inherent appreciation or an inherent, um, acknowledgement of, you know, her contributions and whatnot. Anyway. Yeah. um, Anyway. With that said, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't love Melissa. No, the truth is I, I actually liked her fine. Um, I, it was probably one of my favorite Melissa Erico things I've ever seen. Yeah. I thought that, I thought it was just, which, which is not saying very much. (laughs) Um, so then Randy rainbow did, uh, Mrs. Lovett, which was that just like the song. I mean, he didn't like Randy rainbow it much. Um, he Randy rainbowed it a little bit. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. I would have liked it if it went into a medley of like five more Sondheim songs. I wanted Randy to like audition for all the Sondheim leading lady roles. I was glad. No, I was glad it was, you know, uh, expedited. I mean, it was fine, but, you know, I was, uh, anyway. Elizabeth Stanley. Oh, here we go. So Elizabeth Stanley doing The Miller's Son. Another... Just, I I didn't expect anyone to do this song and it's one that I love so much and it's so fun when someone does it. And she, I love this song. I thought she killed it. Um, I was like pretty much on board with it. I think she's extremely talented. I thought she was spectacular in, um, 
uh, on the town. Hill. Oh, well, and and on the town too. Yeah, so funny. Um, and I thought she was spectacular in Merrily We Roll Along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it but it wasn't my favorite version of um, uh, the Miller Son. Mm-hmm. You know what she did? She did uh, at the end. She distorted one of the vowels. Um, <laughs> well, just because, like you know, there other people have sung the song as belty or even beltier. Mm. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's a belting contest, but the reason to distort the vowel is to belt. And I'm yeah. saying like Patti Lapone and Sara Ramirez and Rachel York and Liz Calloway all managed to be, mm-hmm. oh, not to mention in the original cast, D. Jam and Bartlett, all managed to be equally or more, uh, you know, belty and yet sang pure vowels, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the, that moment you're talking about, but I did. It was I like, she, um, uh, it was like, but I'll not have been dead when I die. And a person should celebrate. And she was like, everything. Oh, yeah, um, the thing. And it just really, it took me out of it, you know. And I guess the truth is, like, I couldn't have been that deeply into it if that took me out of it, you know. So I don't know. Mm. It wasn't my favorite. Yeah, I got that. Um, I think she should have sang the song that I put on my list for her, which Which is uh, this. Do you know the song, The Girls of Summer? Uh Uh-uh. It's random. It's a single song that Sondheim wrote for some, uh, I think it was for an Arthur Lawrence play that was maybe even like a flop in like the 50s or 60s. But but it's like, uh, it's almost like the like, teenage girl version of the ladies who lunch Mm. like it's um it's about uh it's about like the girls who go to the beach and like have the like leisurely summer and like what happens to them like in the fall i don't know i I feel like my understanding of it maybe warped too but but it's very like cool and i don't know i just thought she i would i would love to hear someone should sing that again it's been too long Mm. and it's a great Mm. song that sounds great um, Actually, that might be a good, if we ever have a summer, that might be a good one for you. Oh, yes. It was so funny. I was, um, I'll get to this, but there were so many times in this in this uh, broadcast that I was like reminded of potential summer activities. <laughs> um, Especially when Aaron Tuvate was singing. Oh, honey. Um, okay, so Mandy, Mandy Patankin next, singing Lesson 8. Yeah. Um, first of all, when they showed him in that park with the dog, I thought he was going to sing finishing the hat and start mm-hmm. with the part of the like, rough. you know, like, yeah. And I was like, I am here for this. Yeah. Y'all. I wish. Um, I, I mean, this is whatever. I mean, I really loved it. I, I think it was worth it. What he got being in that open field, mm. but I felt like maybe there was a little bit of a sacrifice of like, sound quality or intimacy mm. or something yeah. like I, 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 all I wanted was to like look into Mandy's eyes and have him be like, where are the people out strolling on Sunday? You know, I just, uh. I, I wanted to feel that, you know? Yeah. And it was like, it was, a, I somehow, it felt a little bit drowned somehow, mm. yeah, um, but it was I, still, I agree. In, it was still incredibly poignant and, yeah. uh, and lovely. And, you know, yeah. I mean, 
there, and I, I forget where Mandy has his country house. I, I keep thinking the obvious place would be like Vermont or something, but, mm. uh, but I, for some reason in my head, I have this idea that he lives in Colorado. Um, mm. and like he, uh, his son, uh, had posted, uh, some funny video. You sh- you should totally watch it. It's very you and me. It's, um, <laughs> him quizzing Mandy and Catherine about like BRB and LOL and LMAO and TTYL. Oh, like, I love it. It's so fucking funny. Like it's, it's really amazing. Um, but anyway, but I, so I saw that they were like in some like woodsy cabin somewhere. Um, but, uh, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. Just, uh, I, it, I don't know. It was, I mean, to me, Mandy Patinkin, for a Sondheim thing, it's almost like he could, there's nothing that could not be good about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's um, not, if it was, if it was a, excuse me, if it was a proper Sondheim thing, it, you know, a proper venue, yes, I could yes. have, I'm sure I could have lots of complaints, but mm-hmm. like Mandy in the pandemic, like coming to me from the cabin in the woods, I'm just like, Take me away, whatever you have, you know. Right, right. Um, so next up, Marie Friedman singing Broadway Baby. Maria Friedman. Maria one Friedman. of the great, great stars of British musical theater in yes. the 90s. Um, and she uh, has also directed big productions of Sondheim shows um, mm. in London. And she starred on Broadway and Angela Weber's The Woman in White. And she mm. uh, she was nominated for a Tony for that. Uh, I think for that, the same year that Patty was nominated for uh, Sweeney Todd. And I remember Patty was saying, oh, and Maria had recently survived cancer. Mm-hmm. And I remember like Patty had said something like, you can't beat cancer or something like that. Like, oh like why God. Maria, like, like why Maria was going to get the Tony and not her. Uh, of course, LaShawn's got it. Um, but anyway, um, uh, Maria also on the Donny Osmond like DVD now streaming of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Mm-hmm. She's the narrator. I've never gotten Maria Friedman. Like to me, I never, I, it always bothered me that she was the narrator in the Joseph on video and not Laurie Beachman. Of course, Laurie Beachman was already like dead by the time they made that video. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, I, uh, you know, and little people that grew up with like Maria Friedman's like fake British, not really belting version of Joseph instead of like the real belting, like Laurie Beachman, who's like Andrea McArdle, but like with an acting talent, you know? And like, I'm like, I don't understand, you know, the big deal. I mean, even if you're going for like British Sondheim fanatics who also direct, why not get Julia McKenzie, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I've never gotten Maria Friedman and uh, I understand that she's someone that is like smart and loves Sondheim and like maybe she's a great director, but it's just never worked for me. Um, And last night was no exception. Uh, I mean, it was, I, I don't know if her voice is gone and she could only afford to do a little shouty belt at the very end or if that was all completely a choice and you know Mm. and and to be fair it would be a smart choice in the neighborhood of like what i was saying about sutton like you Mm. know you you need to have a certain intimacy to actually make the song work in this context singing to the camera you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh you know and she's obviously a good enough actor that doing her little like at my tiny foot there's just my cat a bed and a chair still I'll stick it till, you know, it worked in the context of her telling the story she was going to tell, but for my money, that should not be the Broadway baby on the Sondheim birthday, but whatever. Right. 
I agree completely. It felt a little too mild. It wasn't big and brassy enough. Um, but I did, I did like, there was a, a thing she said before the song that I appreciated. She said, if you have a lyric like Sondheim's, you're safe. When she was telling that story about uh, people wanting Elaine Stritch, but her going on stage to sing that song instead. Yes. Um, and I, did, <laughs> I was, and I, I still wanted Elaine Stritch, but yes, it was a nice yeah. story. Um, and, okay, so then we had Lin Manuel doing Giants in the Sky. I mean, it was I, you know, it wasn't my favorite Lin Manuel performance, but I thought it was. Uh, or my favorite giants in the sky, but I thought it was poignant and sweet and I thought it was very intimate. And that song is so special to me that my sister and I always talk about like shortly after September 11th, we had like a long email chain between the two of us that must've mm-hmm. gone on for like a month or something, just me and her. And, uh, and into the woods is very special to us because we grew up watching it, of course on video. Mm-hmm. And then we did the show together. I directed it in college and she played the baker's wife. So, you know, we have a very like, as many people do with different Sondheim shows, especially Into the Woods. You know, it's a very special thing to our relationship. Mm-hmm. And the subject line of the... Because I think the email was like, um, you know, about how hard it was to be apart at that difficult time, you know, which is, of course, very resonant now. And the subject line of the email thread was uh, the roof, the house, and your mother at the door. Mm. Um, it makes me cry just thinking about it. And and that feels to me, you know... Uh, that's what's so beautiful and poignant about that song. And it's really the heart of Into the Woods in some ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whatever Lin-Manuel lacks in sort of like uh, performative prowess, uh, you know, there was a Broadway star a generation ago who was the cover of every magazine and became a pop culture icon. And her name was Liza Minnelli, you know? And uh, the one for this generation has been Lin-Manuel Miranda, you know? And, uh, and so I'd rather have Lynn, who is that icon, sing that song for me in a way that is so, uh, immediately transporting because of who he is and what his voice means to me than have somebody with like a better voice or more like musical theater panache just kind of sell it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I love that song as well. And in that moment at the end, when we saw um, one of my favorite uh, times I've seen that song performed was when we saw that uh, all Asian production of it a couple years Mm. ago. Mm -hmm. And the guy who sang, who was Jack in that production, the way he sang that song, it made me cry. Um, I mean, that song always kind of makes me cry. But in this moment, he did something with it that was so different uh, and I really, really love that. I wish I could think of his name. Yeah, I, um, I wish I could too. My favorite version of that song is actually in the movie. I think that kid, he was also Gavroche in the Les Mis movie. I yeah. think he's bri- absolutely brilliant. Like the best child actor I've ever seen. I just, I don't like that song sung by a kid. I want like, like an adult Jack. Or well, not an adult, <laughs> but you know, like. <laughs> you want Elaine Stretch. <laughs> totally. No, I want like, you know, like yes, in the original Yes, everyone, Broadway. please. Tune in next Sunday for my live stream of Elaine Stritch sings Giants in the Sky. <laughs> um, okay, then, oh my God, then Leah Salonga singing Loving You. This was one of the moments I was talking about where it's like, should we build a production of Passion around Leah? Leah? 
I mean, maybe so, because that was absolutely thrilling. Mm. And uh, I mean, first of all, I don't know if this is like, you know, I know this is like not the point, but, you know, I saw Donna, I saw Patty, I saw Judy mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, Patty and Donna both have two Tony Awards, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and Judy is arguably the best Broadway belter of the 1980s, you know, mm-hmm. but I think Leia Salonga did the beltiest loving you that's ever been. Yeah, totally, totally. I, but I mean, but anyway, but it was, it was so moving and so yeah. beautiful and so much. I always have to say, Leia Salonga, you know, it's easy to forget what's so special about her when you're not watching her. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you start to think like, well, she was wonderful in Miss Saigon, but so is so-and-so and so so is so-and-so. And And she was wonderful in Les Mis, but so is so-and-so and so is so-and-so. You know, and of course, anyway, Les Mis for me, Frances Raffel is the only eponine. But but it reminds me of seeing Leia in... um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Once on this Island. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's there. She really has such like an emotional directness. Um, yeah. That's, that's un- undeniable and really powerful. And, and, and it, and it's so directly connected to her voice, which is just absolutely, mm. you know, the beauty and the strength of her voice are, are one and the same. And that's so rare. Yeah, I think that's what you're saying is spot on. Like, it's directly connected to her voice because it's seamless and it's that voice is so evocative. And um, also, also not the point, but fabulous home decor. Yes. And like the, is it like three point perspective? I don't know what that's called. Like whenever it's. It's like the it's like filming in, right in front of the corner of the room. Like yes. it, just, it created this perspective and this depth. And I was like, as a designer, I was like, that is a nice shot and a nice uh, layout. 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 All I want to do is sit on that couch and just like have yes, like appetizers. <laughs> I mean, it's very uh, all those pillows. It reminded me of our couch in Fire Island last summer, which I, that's basically what we did. Yeah. Um, Okay, then we have, and then the next setup was Laura Benanti in her bathtub. Okay, I need to talk about this. I think I might be straight. (laughs) I literally, (laughs) I was so attracted to Laura Benanti. Uh, Gorgeous. More than gorgeous. I get it. I wanted to make love to her. She was just showing a little, you know, I'm a leg man. She was just showing, she was showing a little bit of knee. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ravage her. I want Laura Benanti and I, I want to like run through the moors. I want to star in like a production of like. The uh, moors like yet. <laughs> Wuthering Heights. I want to like, yes. I want to like lay her down on like the autumnal leaves. <laughs> like I want to feel her like curly hair cascading over my face while I cover her with kisses. I just, I was just, just immediately just like, just transfixed by her. Yeah. Yeah. She's so beautiful. And she's someone who, um, 
she, the older she gets, I just think the more beautiful she gets. The and more beautiful, the more beautiful, the more beautiful. She's, she, and beautiful is the word because lots of people can be pretty or sexy. And of course she is very pretty. And as I've just pointed out, you know, if a woman is sexy enough to reach me, that's like 10 blocks of sexiness, you know, <laughs> but, but, but she's beautiful. Like you want to paint her, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, she said, I think on our pod or another interview I heard, she's like, um, she talks about, you know, when she was playing Liesl in Sound of Music, then she took over for Maria, right? And so it's like, she always had this, um, uh, she was born older, you know, she was, she had a face, a face that was like. And she um, also talks about playing Fosca, you know, or being, you know, being Fosca for Halloween. But I'm glad you said Liesl because, uh. She wasn't playing Liesl, though. She was just the understudy to Maria, but she was the age of Liesl. Mm, um, okay. But, but I'm glad you brought up Liesl, because Evening Primrose, originally the, the film, the TV movie, whatever you want to call it, was starred uh, Anthony Hopkins, and, not Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Perkins, and... Um, <laughs> Close. And, and Carmine, Carm, how do you pronounce her name? Carmine? Charmian and Charmian Carr. Charmian Carr, who was Liesl in the movie of Sound of Music. Can I tell you a story about Charmian Carr? Yes. Um, when I was uh, when I was very young, uh, my whole family we bought that book that she wrote, Forever Liesel, about her days uh, working on the sound of music, and we all read it. And I was so into it that I wrote her an email telling her how much I loved her book and asking her like weird fan questions about the movie, and she emailed me back. And, and we had like a so little sweet. email convo. Well, uh, she's another one that I think is absolutely ravishingly beautiful. Um, yeah, and but, um, but 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 Laura's performance—it was the perfect song for Laura. Um, yes, I. Yeah. It, it is by far the best version of "I Remember" that has ever been sung. One hundred percent. I mean, I'm so. Laura sorry. gives you so much because. Mm-hmm. She, she, on one hand, she's so old school musical theater. Like she Mm -hmm. almost could be like in a black and white video of like a Rodgers and Hammerstein show, like Mm -hmm. from like the original production in 1941, you know? Yeah. But on the other hand, she's like Tori Amos in like an emo 90s music video. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, she's, and it, those things just came together so flawlessly. And she, that song is so perfect for her too, because nobody better exemplifies than Laura, just that like emo angsty longing, you know? And that is what we're all feeling. We are all right now. We are all that high school girl looking out the window, wishing that it was a different time or place that we could be somewhere else that we're trapped inside this thing, you know? Yes, there is and, an angst to Laura, and, and I, she, that's so oh, thrilling to watch. Thrilling. I mean, it's it was so it was just it was the perfect performance of that song. It was the perfect Laura Benanti performance. It was it was so shot. I mean, Laura Benanti, she fucking knows how to do it. Like, yeah, you know, she the the color of her bathroom with her hair and her eyes and her makeup and what she was wearing and her like, knee. you know, it, her fucking sexy, beautiful, fabulous, perfect knee. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was so exquisite. It was just exquisite. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, 
And then Chip Zion singing Signature Song. Another no one from my list. Another one from my wish list. Chip to sing no yeah. more. This was definitely uh, the hardest I cried during the show. Um, yeah, this was too much for me. I actually was like... I was <laughs> you like, get back in your yoga pose. <laughs> I, I literally did. I was like, this is like, I will watch this later right now. It's enough for me just to like let it wash over me because I am overwhelmed. Yeah. I mean, this one, I felt like he was singing this only to me, directly only, to me. Only to me. I was like, do I want him to be my therapist? Like, this this relationship that we've created in the past four minutes is, uh, you know, very meaningful to me. It was too hard because I see his distinctive Chip Zion, quote unquote, wiry body type. And I see his distinctive Chip Zion hair and, and facial structure. And I hear his timeless Chip Zion, like brassy slash rye voice, you know, and I hear him singing these familiar words and music. And so immediately I'm taken into this comforting, soothing place of this father figure who was not Mm. only the baker in Into the Woods, but was Mendel, the in falsettos, who was not only Mm. the therapist, as yes, you say, that's right? I didn't think, but about was that, also, yeah. but was also Jason's stepfather, which is like you know that's so comforting to me as the little boy whose like father was gay and divorced his mother and his bar mitzvah, right. the whole thing, you know. So I was like, so immediately I'm like soothed and comforted, but then it's like goes in closer, or my eyes fake a close up, and I'm zooming in on connecting with Chip's eyes as he's singing the song, and it's like red light, red light, emergency, 911. This is not soothing. This is not comforting. This is not a blast from the past of nostalgia. This is Chip talking to me about the reality of like not enough hospital beds or tests for COVID-19. This is like Chip talking to me about, as he said, the giant, you know? Yeah. And it was like too hard. It hurt too much. I couldn't Take it. Yeah, totally. I get that. Uh, yeah, I mean, this song definitely has new meaning for all of us. And then, but then at the end when he, I mean, the, the, we all saw the hat just waiting back there on deck and I was just like, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. And then when he got it and he like hugged it to him, like a little, like that little baby that they work so yes, hard to get yes, in the show. Yes. I was just like, no, Chip, don't. It was too much. It really, it floored me. It drove a, just a big stake straight through my heart. Um, then next up, uh, well, next up was Joanna Gleason, but she did not, I was so sad she did not sing. I was so, so, so ready for her to sing Moments in the Woods. And You know, you should watch, I just watched her yesterday on Stars in the House from like an t- old one. It's like from two oh, months like, ago. Oh, I didn't even know. Um and and on that same episode, Chip, uh, actually, they, they're going to auction off the green hat. So I'd already seen the hat. Oh, um, okay. But, uh, but Joanna sang, not the whole song, but she sang part of Moments in the Woods, and it was lovely. Um, I actually wouldn't mind Joanna singing Sending the Clowns, but anyway. Mm. And I also, uh, I'll say about Joanna... She told like my like she, I, everyone did those little intros, you know, and most of them I were I was not that into, but Joanna's I was actually like living for. I don't even remember what she said. It was something of oh, I think it was about into the woods, but I just I just wrote down like this is an intro I'm actually like totally here for. I mean, but then Joanna, of course she didn't sing a song. 
Joanna is just like so smart and cool yeah. and like funny and warm and real and down to earth, but like just awesome. I mean, like, yeah, I, I would be happy. Like, they could have canceled the whole concert and just had Joanna Gleason tell stories, and I would have been yeah. right there for it. Yes, totally. Um, then this, okay, the next song is when I took a bathroom break, but uh, Josh Groban singing Children Will Listen slash Not While I'm Around. Which, I mean, he sounded great from, you know... The peanut butter at the back of his throat. Yeah, yeah, totally. He sounded great from, you know, the various places in the house I was going at this point. <laughs> the but, various um, places in his in his resonance that he was yeah, yeah. utilizing. I did like at the end how he did his little Josh Groban trick and, and took it up at a, in his to his uh, head voice at the end. I enjoyed that. But, um, I don't know. Whatever. I'm like, I don't really care about JG. Yeah, not into it. Uh, well, the thing I was into was next, uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell. Yes, please, God, yes. The Flag song, which is a cut song from Assassins, right? Yes. And this one I wrote, the note I wrote down was, uh, Pixie Aventura tell the story yeah, because totally. he was telling the story. So wonderful. Um, Michael Cerverus singing, finishing the hat, uh, which seemed so like right by the window in his denim looking out. It seemed very like nineties Christian music video to me. Like just the, the, the setup of the whole thing. Um, but I thought it was fine. I mean, it was very, it was very intimate. And I, um, he works for I mean, me sometimes. I mean, he's obviously so skilled. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I really, when I saw him in Hedwig a uh, hundred years ago, I thought he was absolutely spectacular. Um, and, and, and I saw him in Tommy actually, and he was spectacular mm. in that, but, but Tommy's a weird character, you know, but, but Hedwig, he was really just brilliant. Um, and um uh, but I, I don't know about him in something like that. I, you know, I, I just, I, maybe I was just exhausted or close-minded, but it, I couldn't really go there. It was very, um, straight. And like the gay, the gay finishing the hat we've come to love from Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, I, I do like it when it's a little more, um. It's not quite so emo. It's a little more like, well, Hollywood always turning back to lit. I feel like um, in Mandy's contract negotiation for this, um, they were like, uh, so we assume you want to sing Finishing the Hat. He was like, no, I don't. I I want to sing uh, Lesson Number Eight. And they were like, "Uh, oh, okay. And he's like, I want Jake to sing Move On. And I want (laughs) Jock. And I want Cerverus to do Finishing the Hat. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, okay, so next up, Linda Lavin singing uh, an album, singing from an album that we've actually talked about on the podcast with Varla Jean Merman. The yes, Mad Show. Mad show. Uh, singing The Boy From, which, what did she say? Like, it's a Brazilian... Pastiche? Uh, no, takeoff? Parody? Something like that? Parody, something like that. She might have just said it's a Brazilian number. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
she her her uh comedic chops 82 are, years I, old bitch i was so into it although a lot of gays seem to not gays i just associate twitter with gays but like a lot of people on twitter were coming for her because they were like uh oh is she going to get sondheim canceled for his 90th birthday cuz i guess you know the song is a little um what's the word uh appropriation not appropriation but it's like a little uh um i i feel like those people are missing like the layers i mean it's it's actually like a parody of a kind of brazilian appropriation that was being done in the 60s i mean it's like you know uh it's it's so i I don't know i i don't i don't buy that um but uh you know um the worst thing for Linda Lavin is how good she looks because she doesn't get credit for how old she is, you know? Yeah, she does look amazing. I mean, she looks the same age as Patty, right? Yeah. Well, she's, you know, over 10 years older. Yeah. Um, the one thing I also thought, and this is no shade to Linda, but I really wish Carol Channing had performed this song at some point. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I can see it's that. the great, it's the great Carol Channing Sondheim number that never happened. Um, then uh, next up, Alex Gemignani, Buddy's Blues. I mean, this was like as good as you could possibly hope for in like a full out like musical theater performance for this mm-hmm. gig. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I. I never quite get the whole journey with Alex. Like I always like start to go there and in the end I'm just kind of like almost, you know, but, but it was very good and he worked so hard and like, you know, I mean, (laughs) he's got, I love his dad so much. How can I not love him? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, he, he did do something that, um, it reminded me of something you said in fire Island last summer, whenever we were all, um, doing our little, karaoke performance night and i remember you you stopped and you stopped everyone and you were like listen this is for everyone like it's your job to be your own director stage manager use the space use whatever props you need and i felt like he was very good at that like using his space like he used his chair for a lot of uh movement choices uh and so i did appreciate that like he really committed to it and And used what he had I love that unlike most straight men, when he did uh, Margie and Sally's voices, uh, you know, for Margie, he did the typical straight man's version of a woman, which was uh-huh, like, you yeah. know, I love him, you know. But yeah. when he did Sally, she was like, furs, fur. I mean, Sally was like as played by like Roz Russell or Lauren Bacall or something. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> that That is my kind of uh, aping a woman, you know. Mm. Um, okay, then uh, Anna Harada, and I just wrote down Anne because I didn't realize then everyone else was coming in, so I don't remember the other ones, but Anna Harada and company singing Someone in a Tree. So great. Um, so good, and I'm so glad Pacific Overtures uh, had some, you know, play. Uh, so, so glad, and like... I um I just 
I also I I I feel like I appreciated that song in a new way, having it sort of like dumbed down into like this version for me, as opposed to like yes. when I saw Pacific Overtures at Fifty Four Below a hundred years ago. I was really drunk when I saw it, so no wonder I didn't understand it. But I um, this really helped me to finally understand. And I loved having a woman's voice in the song. I, I love I always love hearing Anne's voice anyway. But yeah, I, I really thought it was great. Yeah, I did too. And. I woke up this morning um, still in my Sondheim uh, hangover and uh, I wanted to immediately put this song on because I was like, "That's this is the song I remember from last night and I want to listen to it more and take a journey with it. Um, so I will be doing that today. Um, someone else I'd like to take a journey with uh, sexually is Raul Esparza, who came up next with singing the, the title the title song, take me to the world. And I mean, as, 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 you know, annoyed with him as I was at the beginning of the show for like, not knowing how to work his microphone and like, which I'm, which I'm sure by the way, I don't think I don't blame him for that. No, 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 of course not. But like, of course, um, you know, I, I felt bad for him because I, I was like, he's probably so like mad and irritated right now, but he, he is first of all i love his voice and i actually loved his um i never saw it but i i mean i've seen it online but i i listened to his uh company a lot in college that was really the first company i i knew and uh, i loved it and um yeah his voice it's so good and and he's so fucking hot i just can't stand it that's it Okay. <laughs> you not into it? Um, I've never been a big fan of his. Really? Um, yeah. I love him so much. I don't know. I mean, I just think he has he's so beautiful and he also just has like this I first of all, I don't find him attractive. I don't know. I've never Really? Been, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. I am like mm. Do you know uh, there's a whole Do you know have you ever been to the website Data Lounge? Mm, I'm sure I have. I, I there's this website data lounge. It's like a gossip chat board, not chat board, me- gossip message board, and mm-hmm. um, for everything, um, uh, you know, from politics, pop culture, whatever. Um, but there's always uh, a long theater thread on it, and and most people on data lounge, you know, posting to data lounge are not talking about theater. But there's always one thread that's about Broadway musicals and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's all these funny memes that just last for years on data lounge. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's this woman Marianne Lapinto who uh, she like writes for Talkin' Broadway, and. Um, I'm sure she's never been to Data Lounge in her life. She's like this really kooky, eccentric, like old lady who like, you know, like writes like reviews for talking Broadway of like cabaret shows, like at like mm-hmm. the duplex, you know, but, but there's a whole meme on talk on Data Lounge of like people pretending to be her and like making the same kinds of typos she would make. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like all these weird things that just last for years. Um, and there's one of them was that back in the day when Rolla Sparza was not like out as gay in the gossip thread, they would be like Rolla Sparza and his bisexual cock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that changed to uh, the initials of Rolla Sparza. Um, and it was like 
A B S C mm-hmm. and in parentheses. And then that changed to the parentheses got longer because it became and his bisexual cock that shoots loads of Cuban oh, poppy cum. My God. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's so random. But so for years and now like nobody would type his name on Data Land without putting in parentheses. Like it's like LGBTQIA, you know, there's just like no. a long <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. It's so funny. Um That's yeah, my I'm- favorite thing about Raul Sparza. I mean, that's so shocking to me. Like, I just find him so uh, captivating. And, like, I just, I'm so attracted to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, and I loved, I mean, even though he is, um, is he gay or bi or what is his actual I think he identifies story? as gay, but, you know. Yeah. Um, but he does, I mean, he's someone to me, like, as Bobby and company, I, like, bought him as like mask, you know, like a, like a masculine bachelor. Yeah, no, I think he's know? very talented. I mean, I, I thought he was very good in company. I didn't, I didn't love that production. And ultimately I did not enjoy his being alive, but like, mm. I, I did think he was good in that show. Mm. Um, okay. So here we go. We're in the final stretch and this is when things really, <laughs> Yeah, crack that can, baby, because this is when things really went up to the next level. I mean, this was like the 11 o'clock. This was literally the 11 o'clock number, but like this is when all the 11 o'clock numbers started. This is when, um, I don't even know. It was just like things got elevated to the next level of stardom and choices and performance and I mean, every, I mean I this is this these next performances will be talked about for years to come first all first of all starting with Donna Murphy singing send in the clowns with like a complete set behind mm. her mm-hmm. um the art direction the hair and makeup the tits I mean everything was so perfect Including, of course, her performance of Sin in the Clowns. Uh oh. <laughs> Why are you I, being quiet? I didn't love it. You know, I really? I was very I was very excited when it started. I was very excited that she was doing it. I loved the presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked how it began because I was watching all this Sondheim stuff, you know. And I was seeing the thing about Sin in the Clowns is like we've talked about this before, like um uh I mean, she did have the kind of accompaniment that I love. You know, what we mm-hmm. talked about that, how I, yeah. what was the version that I hated because it didn't have the accompaniment I like, you know? Yeah, um, I don't remember. I've got to have that, like, dun 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 uh, Yes, thank you. Exactly that. And, um, you know, my uh, my favorite is, like, the Elaine Stritch, you know, or, you know. Yes, but, that but, is my favorite. But, but I also like big vocal ones. I love the Judy Collins. I even like the Frank Sinatra, you know. And and the thing about it, and I like the Barbara Streisand, you know, and I like the Betty Buckley. And mm-hmm. when uh, I always had like the Glenn Close one, although I realize now, if you're gonna go for that, you might as well go for Judy Dench, who just acts it so much better, you know. Yeah, I, um, yeah. 
but you know, or Lane Stretch. Uh, but I, I remember like laughing at Patty when we did it. When I I was I assisted Lonnie Price on the Ravinia Festival concert mm-hmm. version of Night Music, where Patty was Desiree and uh, George Hearn and Sara Ramirez and all these people. And um, and I remember thinking like, you know, here Patty was like, you know, sort of unhappy that she didn't have a lot to sing as Desiree. Um, as a matter of fact, they added for her at the start of the second act for the night waltz, they used the arrangement of that that had been done in the Houston Grand Opera for Frederica von Stad as Desiree. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the act two of Night Music at Ravinia opened with the Liebesleaders singing The Sun Won't Set, but also Patty coming down the stairs, you know, the sun won't set, you know, just like... <laughs> Like literally, it's <laughs> oh, so funny. Twelve o'clock, starlight. Love is nine o'clock. <laughs> no joke. All of a sudden, it was like it was like we were watching Matters of the Heart. But um, so funny. And yet, despite that, when she sang "Send in the Clowns," you know, the thing is, when you get someone like Glenn Close or Catherine Zeta-Jones, who's like not really a singer, and this is like mm-hmm. their one big chance to sing with the big kids, you know, you know, they get to the end of the song and they're like, "Maybe next year," you know, they really want to like yeah. belt it out for you, you know. <laughs> Whereas, like, you know, Patty and I have to say, I felt the same about Bernadette in the in the Broadway production. You know, they're very like. Well, maybe next year, you know, they, or they don't even go up, you know, maybe mm-hmm. next year. I mean, they're just like, they're not looking to make it a vocal showcase. And I remember being like, come on, Patty, you know, give it a little gas, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so that said, I really appreciate, you know, when someone like Judy Collins is really like, no, like I'm not Judy Dench, but I am a real singer. And this is one mm-hmm. of the most beautiful melodies written by one of the most brilliant composers that ever lived. And I'm going to sing the shit out of it, you know, uh, or, you know, and Barbara Cook does a beautiful version because she gives it all of her mm-hmm. voice, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I really liked that in the beginning, Donna was very like, isn't it rich? Are we up here? You know, just really singing the notes, you know? Mm-hmm. But then it was like very Bernadette losing my mind at the end where she was like wimping out and like not, you know, and she was letting her emotions get the best of her, which, you know, I'm sure were overwhelming her. But it felt the thing about I love Donna Murphy because I truly believe she is the Meryl Streep of musical theater. Mm-hmm. But when you're the Meryl Streep whose forte is your craft, you don't get to just be emotionally overwhelmed, you know, because you're always coming across a little calculated, which is okay. You are calculated. It's art. It's artifice, you know, but Mm. therefore you don't get to be overwhelmed. I need you to like always be living in the craft, you know? Mm. And so for me, it just at the end when she was like a little choked up and like speaking some of the lyrics, I was just kind of like, what's the Ariana Grande song? (laughs) Thank you. Next. Yes. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I didn't really even, I mean, I was just so like not paying attention to that. Like I, I see what you're saying, but I didn't even really notice that. I I was just so, um, into the whole like, uh, scene that she was creating. I mean, I wasn't um, trying to notice it. I wasn't sitting there with like a notebook being like, check mark on this failure on that B plus on the, I mean, I started off just wanting to be like Donna Murphy, take me sure, away. Yes. You know, I, yeah, and by the sure. way, when you choose send in the clowns, you invite that, you know, 
Yeah. If you're sure. like, I'm singing a song that was cut from Assassins, it's all you, baby. <laughs> you know, right, you, right. Could, you could do whatever you want, and I'm just like in your hands, you know. But when you sing Send in the Clowns, you like have a little bit of an uphill battle, and you like got to bring it. Mm, mm, I, I feel. Um, anyway, so Donna saying that, and I, uh, you know, I thought it was, was good. And then, uh, next up we had, okay. So next up, you know, before each person, they had, uh, some little illustration and then they had the name of the person and the song they were singing. But for this one, it was just the title of the song, Ladies Who Lunch. So I was already suspicious of what was coming because I was like, uh oh, because I thought it was going to be Patty. And then it was Christine Bransky. And I was like, oh, okay. So like they wanted to surprise us by not telling us who it was because we thought it would be Patty and now it's Christine. <laughs> what a nice she- surprise. Yeah, well, and then she I, started well, singing I knew, it. I knew it wasn't going to be Patty because she'd said in that Daily Beast article that she was singing a ballad and she was already... That's, reg- yeah, that's right. She was already regretting that she didn't do a comedy number. Um, and uh, with Christine... Uh, I was pretty happy that it was Christine because I was like, I mean, I have very low expectations of her voice since she sucked mm-hmm. so badly in the city center encore's follies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like I was just like not expecting much, but nonetheless, I would, I wouldn't care if she was off key and like, just like a broke down dirty hoe. <laughs> like I just, I just think Christine Bransky is so brilliant and so perfect for Joanne. Yeah. I was like yeah. ready to live, totally. ready to live with her. And the fact that she was in a bathrobe with like a glass of red wine and like a weird angle, like her iPad, just like sitting on the table in front of her. Yeah, I was, a bad I was, angle. I was like, you are a star and I am here for you. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's how you know the people who are the true stars uh, in these live streams is because they're like, They've only ever been photographed in their lives. They've never been behind the camera. They've never worked it themselves. So, like, them not knowing their angles, really, like, not knowing where to put the camera. Somebody tweeted, knowing- somebody tweeted, like, all these offer-only stars not knowing how to do a self-tape. So, absolutely. 100% that. So, just Christine literally, like, propping up her iPad against, you know, this wine bottle or whatever. And then... No, not the wine. Maybe against the empty wine bottle she had earlier in the evening. Yeah, the case. So, anyway, she... I was like, you know, I'm here for this. I can't wait. And then when it cut over to Meryl motherfucking Streep shaking... My brain exploded. I screamed... Uh, as did every other gay watching. And it was like, I cannot even remember the last time I felt such joy and elation. And I just, I was so thrilled and I need surprised. to rewatch it. I literally I so jumped surprised. out the window. I, I am dead <laughs> on the street. I, I, I couldn't, I was just like farting glitter balls. I could yeah. not, I was bouncing off. I was literally jumping up and running around the room. Just like, I couldn't even watch. I was just too, it was too much for my little head. Too much. And then the Audra of it all, uh, joining in. I mean, and Audra, by the way, it's like she listened to our pod and she decided to give you the kind of belting she hadn't done since I've never <laughs> said I love you. Totally. Totally. And um, it was almost like a fuck you to Patty. And I was glad for it. Totally. Absolutely. I was, she was like, she was like, hey, Patty, remember when you could do a straight tone on this note? 
<laughs> I mean, this, I mean, this was like, um, this, this will be played for, for years to come. And this is another thing that made me think of summer plans. I was like, I cannot wait to rewatch this over and over at Sunday show tunes in the pines, because you know, this will be one of those videos like, um, you know, Patty, anything goes Jennifer holiday at the Tony's, uh, you know, you don't own me from the first wives club. This will be a, a video that's played at gay bars for years. And listen, years to come. listen, COVID-19 is only for now, but yes. the Christine Merrill Audra ladies who lunch is forever. <laughs> totally. So, I mean, this was like, um, you know, uh, uh, you don't own me or like the, the white dress trio from uh, the leading ladies concert I mean, this, this, this will go on the artwork for this week. This will go and, on the t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So we need t-shirts or a bathrobe maybe. Um, and if Sondheim lives to be a hundred, they need to do this number live. 100%. 100%. Maybe even if he just lives to be 91. Yeah, totally. Um, but I have to say Meryl, I mean, she is just so dependable and always delivers. And this was no exception. Her specific acting (laughs) choices and her use of props was a genius. I mean, I I was transfixed and, you know, at this point I'm like, of course, Meryl Streep's the greatest actress of our time, but like she still impressed me and like took it to a next, the next level that I was not expecting and totally shaking that cocktail shaker and then like drinking from that bottle of bourbon or whatever. And scotch bottle of scotch, Scotch. bottle of scotch. And, um, uh, yeah. And then just her little like Meryl, like thinking moment that she had, like it was all just working, working, working divine. So divine. Um, P.S. Nothing makes me happier than Audra McDonald being not one of the Broadway people doing a solo. Yes. But one yes, of the yes, one yes. of the one of the movie stars in this yes. little like novelty number. Yeah, totally. I was so happy for that as well. I was like, you know what? Audra's not gonna sing, you know, not uh, a day goes by. Yeah, totally. Audra has earned the right to be Christine Baranski. (laughs) Yes, she's earned the right to sing like uh, a trio comedic bit with with, uh, Baranski and and Streep. By the way, if that's not casting for a meme revival, I don't know what is. Totally. Oh, my God. We could do a whole other episode on that. Um, Anyway, so then, okay, so then we had a nice little B-side uh, to this, which was uh, Jake and Annalie Ashford singing Move On, which again, I was like, this is like another level. This is like another caliber of like, again, like Jake is such a movie star, but like, this is such another caliber of acting. And like, I, I just felt so like, I wasn't just watching like a concert or like, no, well, I, I mean, felt like know- when I was... It's like Chip. I mean, they, they, they've done this song. This is their real, yes. they have history yes. in this performance. And, and Jake was good. But I have to say, Anna Lee, I, I just am, I'm in on Anna Lee Ashford. Love Hook, her. line, yes. and sinker. Like, Absolutely. she, I feel like if anybody else had been 
playing Dot, whenever I watch anybody else play Dot, all I do is think, you don't sing it as well as Bernadette, or even if you sing it as well as Bernadette, you're not as special as Bernadette. Mm. And it it never works for me because I feel like you're not special like Bernadette. And I watch Anna Lee and I feel like she is special. Yes, 100%. I couldn't have said it better. It's like there is something about her so special. She has um, that star quality. She has um, her unique take on the role that's original but also yes. um, when her faithful. voice when her voice does things that Bernadette's uh when she can, when she doesn't do it the way Bernadette did if for half a second you start to miss Bernadette then Anna Lee does something new that's wonderful yes. she the gives thing- us something she gives us more to see Abs- yes yeah <laughs> anything she, you she- do let it come from Anna Lee Ashford yes and i would love that um uh, we we do not belong. She does these little like swoops that I live for. And I actually listen to this track. Whenever I listen to Move On, I usually listen to this version because uh, I love her her vocals. It's um, those little slides are so delicious. And she's someone who I feel like there's so many um, Broadway leading ladies of her kind of class, if you will. Like I don't mean... I mean, like graduating class, like her her yes. generation. Yes, yes. Um, who I'm, I don't care about. I could, you know, or I, I think they're talented and and great to watch. But like, I don't, you know, obsess about like dream casting them or where their career will go or like what roles I want to see them in when they get older. Annalie is is different. She's like, um, like I want her to be the one who the torch is passed to. You know, totally with the Bernadettes and the Patties and. Um, Audra, you know, I want her to be the next big Broadway lady. Yeah. Of our, you know, next generation or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love that. And I, and I, I, I don't always love Jake, but I, I just thought he was, he just seemed so like open and, and, uh, receptive and, 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 um, he was perfect. Look, look, that song that if he had done finishing the hat, I probably would have been annoyed with him. But yeah. but move on is about her and he yes, delivered, yes, yes, you know, yes. he he delivered what he needed to deliver beautifully. Yes, that's a very good point. Um okay, so next up was uh Patty's aforementioned ballad. Anyone can whistle. And with a very short intro. <laughs> classy. Cla- it was very it was very classy, Patty. Yeah. Um, in front of her bookcase, uh, wearing like a beautiful like uh, jacket, um, blouse. Yeah, what'd you call me? Um, <laughs> yeah, and I loved it. I mean, you know, we all want the big belty number from Patty or the comedic number, but um, you know, I was into it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, um, I. I, I, I actually rewatched Patty's the only one I've watched a second time. I rewatched her this morning. Um, and, uh, and I liked it much better this morning than I did last night. Mm-hmm. Um, it really got good by the end. I, I feel like in the beginning she does a little bit of that. I don't know if it's a rhythm thing or just like her fucked up diction. <clears throat> you know, people are so critical of Patty's bad diction and that never bothers me, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, because I feel like when Patty's diction is bad, she's actually still really like 
in a very like good acting moment. Mm-hmm. You know, when she's just sort of like feeling herself and like hurling out the vocal line. Mm-hmm. I love that. But to me, I, I don't like when, you know, it's like, um, you know, I feel like I want someone to be like, anyone can whistle, you know, and Patty's like, anyone can whistle. Like I, there's something awkward about the way her diction is when she sings some of these sometimes songs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and she's like, uh, it, it it bugs me, and also I don't know if is I we need to, I need to research this, but I'm pretty sure she sings the wrong lyric. I think it's supposed to be like maybe you could show me how to let go, not maybe you can show me how to let go. Mm-hmm. And I could be wrong. Maybe Patty's singing what Steve told her to sing, you know. But for some reason, every time that happens, something in my brain goes wrong words, Patty. This is why they wouldn't put you in Sunday in the Park with George. God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I thought she, she sounded beautiful and there was real genuine emotion behind it. And like I said, this morning, it won me over much more than it did last yeah. night. And I certainly was not disappointed in it. I just, it, it wasn't, my heart didn't really soar. It was not one of my favorite things of the night. Right. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, and then closing out the show was My favorite Bernadette. thing of the night. Really? Okay. Now, this was another one that was on my wish list was for Bernadette to sing No One Is Alone. Yes. And I was so transported. It was like what I said about Chip Zion, but like a thousand times more and like even better. It was like Bernadette singing No One Is Alone, acapella. And now when she used to sing No One Is... I guess she probably still does. When she does that song, of course she still does it in concert. She never fucking changes her goddamn concerts. But, you know, but but when Bernadette does it in concert, it's like insanely slow. It's like impossibly slow. It's like if Cola Scola did that as a Bernadette parody, people would be like, that's too far. That's over the top. She doesn't really (laughs) sing it that slow. Come on. But like she sings it so goddamn slow. And I love it, but it's very, 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 very slow. And this was the opposite. This was almost like sped up, you know? And so at Mm, first I was like, "Mm." I was like, she's going too, too fast. It's like, uh, you know, but, but no, that was like the whole thing. It had an urgency, you know, it was like, it was so intimate. It was like Bernadette delivering this thing right to me, you know, and her like broke down damaged voice. That's been like stampeded on by a herd of elephants, you know, (laughs) She just stays right in it and she just, she figures out how to place that next note. And sometimes it's like a real leap of faith. And, and, and last night, except for one time when she cracked, which made it even that much more, yeah. it, it just felt like Bernadette was so in this moment and she was singing a song that she knows so deeply down in her toes. And yet every single lyric she was like finding a new application for it in this moment, you know, and like, like with the Chip Zion No More performance, it was like on one hand, so familiar and comforting and soothing, but on the other hand, so real and dark and stark and, you know, just heartbreaking, but, but in a way that was just so everything I needed it to be. And I just, I felt less alone when Bernadette sang that to me, it felt like it was to me and it felt like this entire experience of the last six weeks and the last 
six hours since I first sat down and waited to watch the broadcast. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it felt like it all came together. And like, I just, I, I, I've never in it, honestly, like I wasn't like, this is good for Bernadette now, but obviously I still like her better in Sunday in the Park with George. I was like, this is the greatest. This was mm. to me, this was the top of the mountain of all my years of watching Sondheim, listening to Angela and Elaine and seeing Bernadette and all the Sondheim experiences I've had have all built up to this one moment that was like the 10 commandments coming down the mountain and like god i literally i felt like there was god in bernadette last night well i need maybe i need to rewatch it because i was like not feeling it at the time um and i think i i think i'm just a greedy little bitch and i was like oh i don't want her to sing it acapella i want her to sing it with like you know accompaniment so i can feel like this is an actual like performance and um you know, I want, I don't know. I, I, I was, I, I don't love when people do acapella anyway, but like, I don't know. I feel bad for saying this now because I feel like I'm, everyone else is what you were saying. It's like everyone else was living for it and was saying this was the highlight. So, um, I think I need to revisit, but in the moment I was just like, no, I want, I want her to, you know, ha- uh, have her proper her proper number you know with with like music i was just not feeling it but i need i want to i want to feel the ten commandments <laughs> if i saw bernadette on the street i would walk up to 6 feet away from her exactly <laughs> and <laughs> and i would fall down and take off my face mask and i would put my naked lips on the pavement <laughs> <laughs> naked lips <laughs> Anyway, is that it? Um, there was the insulting Andre de Shields relegated to the I'm still here over the credits. Oh, really? I didn't even... Uh, I was like... I thought it was over, so like I had already like started getting ready for bed at that point. I didn't realize he was in that. I mean, it's not fair to call it insulting because they had all the people that were in Broadway shows on hold, you know, or a lot of people from Broadway shows on hold singing of which he is one. And because he's Andre de Shields, they featured him more than a lot of those people as well. They should. Yeah. But what it wound up feeling like was like, he didn't get a real solo. And, you know, granted he has no Sondheim association. Right. Um, I mean, I think he probably did do Sondheim at some point in his career and, you know, regional or whatever, but you know, but he's not a Sondheim associate, but, um, but, you know, neither is Josh Groban. You know, I don't know. And, you know, people were talking about representation, and I, I don't want to get into all that. I don't even, mm-hmm. you know, have a perspective on that. But but it, it did feel a little weird. Um, but the I'm Still Here was fun, and it was cute to have all those people. I, I Maybe I'll go back and watch it. Um, anyway, okay. Well, that was fun. And uh, truly, what a uh, an emotional journey last night. From Even this the- morning. In this morning. I mean, like I said, I was I, I was so tired last night. Like, we were going to record last night, and I just, like, couldn't do it. And I got in bed, and I felt so, like, I my brain would not stop buzzing. Like, I could not stop thinking about everything. Um, even when I woke up in the middle of the night, I was still thinking about it. Um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, it was so it much was pretty special. Well, tune in to our live streams on Tuesday and Thursday, 1030 a.m., yes. but then continuing on the internet forever. I'm sure we'll still be talking about this as yes. we will on next week's episode of Corn Streams when we Corn Stream the 1992 concert, Sondheim, a celebration at Carnegie Hall. Yes, yes. A nice little um, uh, what's uh, follow-up companion piece. Yes. yes. All right. Say goodbye, Ben. Goodbye, Ben. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. (laughs) Come back next week for our quarantine stream of Sondheim, a celebration at Carnegie Hall, an all-star event for the ages featuring Betty Buckley, Bernadette Peters, Patti LuPone, Liza Minnelli, Dorothy Loudon, and Glenn Close. Findable on YouTube via our Broken Records Corn Streams playlist as uploaded under the veiled title, Musical Theater Master Serenaded by the Greats in 1992. What queen came up with that? This one. It's on my YouTube channel. And be sure to check out our new twice-weekly live stream video chat. Tuesday, Thursday, April, August. Available on the Broadway World Facebook page and the Broadway Podcast Network YouTube channel, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10.30 a.m. This episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Rimmelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all socials. That's Ben Rimmelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. Nolan with an A, isn't it? Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.